The executives leading 10 of the state's regional chambers of commerce announced last week that they are banding together to advocate for their policy and business priorities. The new initiative is being called the Chambers Policy Network. The participants represent Greater Boston, Worcester, Springfield, Western Mass, Cape Cod, the South and North Shores, the South Coast, the Berkshires, and Newton and Needham. I'm Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine, and I'm joined on the podcast by the head of one of those regional chambers, James Rooney, the president and CEO of the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce. Welcome, Jim. Hi, Bruce. Nice to be here. Good to have you. So tell me about this policy network. How did it come about? Well, um, there's a couple of um, uh, ways that it came about and motivations for it. Um, First, Massachusetts is um, one of a very few states, less than five, that does not have a statewide chamber of commerce that participates in advocacy uh, and public policy. Um, there is an organization, MACE, that is a best practices, shared learning type of organization that is statewide, um, but they do not advocate um, up on Beacon Hill. <laughs> Each of the members of that organization has left to do it on their own. Um, so we're one of a few in the country that does not have that. And um, one of the things we've learned is that in states that do not have it, there, there are these types of coalitions that exist among um, city and regional chambers uh, in states. And um, they band together and talk over public policy issues and um, take joint positions on issues in their capitals. Um, so it was really just seeing that we didn't have that and um, and um, that, you know, there's a there's a tried and true way to deal with that. Um, a second motivation was that um, we felt that uh, in Massachusetts, there is a degree of fractionedness in business community advocacy um, in that, um, for example, Throughout the state, there are over 100 organizations that are registered as chambers of commerce. And as you know, Bruce, there's many more that are that are um, uh, industry organizations or other types of business organizations here in Boston and throughout the state. So uh, we have a lot of organizations um, representing the business community. Um, but cohesive voice is something we've struggled with over time. Um, so this is an attempt to bring together, um, as you said, chambers from across the state covering every region um, to, um, as I said, talk about policy issues and move forward with a cohesive voice. So I'm sort of surprised this hasn't happened earlier in a way, because it would make sense, like, uh, every, in, instead of everybody speaking with their own voice, trying to, you know, say, we represent the entire state or what have you. Was there anything, you know, that spurred it, this move at this moment in time? Yeah, I think that's a good question, Bruce. And I think it's that we're all feeling that um, Massachusetts is starting to lose its way in terms of competitiveness, not just for business, but for people. Um, I mean, the data speaks for itself, 110,000 people leaving the state um, last year. Um, you know, so we're really concerned about uh, the exodus of people, uh, the climate that is leading to 
uh, not just people, but businesses to look at um, other states to either start a business or, or to locate a, a function within a business. Um, and feeling like our voice as a business community is not being heard as much as perhaps other voices are on Beacon Hill. So um, I think it, it, it is this this um, growth in the feeling that the business voice is not as um, not as present as it needs to be and not as loud as it needs to be. And do you, when you talk about competitiveness, I know uh, the governor came to one of your meetings just in the last couple of weeks and sort of presented about her budget and her tax plan. And, and you were generally very positive about the message she was delivering, but uh, there was also a feeling of, you know, this is a good first step. We, we need more. Where are you thinking of going with that? And is this something that you're talking about with the other chamber heads? Well, this this um, this network, statewide network, uh, just formed, and um, the first meeting we had in February was an organizing type meeting. Um, we didn't get too deeply into policy issues, but we're intending to have that meeting in the coming month or so. Um, so that said, uh, in terms of where we, as the Boston Chamber, and I'm sure other business organizations, will go with the issue of competitiveness and tax policy. Um, you know, we'll be up there. I mean, we are up there on, on Beacon Hill advocating for some more specific and direct um, tax policy changes, single sales factor, for example, um, that would send a, a stronger signal to the business community that we get it. We get that, you know, the game of competition among cities and states has changed. We get that Massachusetts is an outlier in so many areas of taxation, uh, particularly on the business community. Um, and and uh, we need that signal from Beacon Hill right now because I can tell you, people and businesses are getting phone calls on a daily basis trying to lure them to another state. And, it, and it, is it primarily on a financial basis that, you know, basically companies increasingly can work anywhere uh not all of them but but many of them and and is it yeah. is is this financial basis of competition is that the primary I, thing yeah i think cost of living cost of doing business uh but as you said bruce coming out of covid one of the big lessons learned and perhaps trends is this increased degree of mobility and flexibility of both people and and businesses um, people have accepted the fact that I can work from in professional types of, of organizations like underpins Massachusetts economy. Um, uh, you know, I can start this business anywhere. Um, so I'll look for what what is the cost of doing business? What are the tax implications of opening in Massachusetts versus North Carolina versus versus Florida or Texas or Arizona? What I mean, people are going to their accountants and their lawyers and saying, you know, where would I best be positioned to do it? Now, there's other factors, and certainly one that we can lean on is that we still have a very talented workforce. We still, you know, lead the nation in number of college graduates in our population. So we've got some strengths, um, but we need to develop that, that, that sales message, if you will, uh, to accent those and to deal with the challenges. And most of the challenges are in costs. Uh, for the individual, it's cost of housing, cost of living, um, but for the businesses, it's cost of doing business. 
So it seems like um, this is an, a discussion that has increased in volume, let's say, uh, since the voters last November passed this tax on income over a million dollars. That sort of seems to have spurred the business community and others to sort of say, that's sending the wrong message uh, to business people, uh, job creators, what have you. And and I at least I feel like that's when I've started to hear more about we're losing our competitive edge. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's fair that 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 has been the 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 reaction that we and others have had. Uh, but beyond that, and back to sort of the formation of the network, that we're not being heard. Um, that that you know these are the kinds of things perhaps we've said maybe more diplomatically and maybe in meetings um, that's just not being heard now um, one of the things we didn't get into Bruce in terms of the network is that you know when I go up to Beacon Hill I'm able to say that I represent 1300 businesses that employ hundreds of thousands of people the collective network that I'm talking about, or we're talking about statewide that we formed, represents 10,000 businesses employing millions of people. So when you have that sort of platform and representation from 10 groups covering every inch of the state, we think that platforms a much more um, uh, visible and, and, and louder voice. Um, and you know, it, it's a strategy to try to to try to be heard more on the messages we're trying to deliver. And it seems like uh, the governor, Governor Healy is is listening to that message, but obviously the vote last November to pass this new tax, um, that sent a message too, uh, probably to political leaders that there's a, there's a strong element in, in Massachusetts in the electorate that, that wants to see some shift in the way taxation is done. Um, and they're not going away by any stretch of the imagination. So I guess it seems like it's going to become more of a uh, a battle, if you will. How do you see it? Yeah, well, I hope battle is not the right word. Uh, I appreciate the choice. But um, first of all, with respect to the vote, it was, as you know, 52-48. And, you know, it was a, my diagnosis is that it was a tough, um, a tough um uh, fight, if you will, in that, you know, you ask a voter, do you want to spend more money on transportation and education and have someone else pay for it? I mean, that's easy. Um, You know, of course, people are going to say yes to that. Um, And it was a harder message for the opponents to dig down into the nuances. When you have to talk about the nuances of what's being voted, it's tough to do in in um, in a political environment when people start paying attention to candidates and and ballot questions like three days before they're actually going to go into the voting vote. So um, I don't know, Bruce, I guess I'd, I'd, um, I'd quibble with the suggestion that, you know, there's a strong sentiment. I mean, I 52-48 and a, on a question like that, I think doesn't send as strong a signal as you might, as, as some might like. Um, but that being said, um, you know, the, the impacts of that and other public policies, including tax policies that are taking hold in the Commonwealth, um, are going to result in our minds in a slow burn, um, 
uh, of, of going backwards, i.e. loss of population, business locations that don't happen here. And that's another difficult thing, that, the situation we're in, which is having to prove a negative. How do we prove that a business didn't locate here? Um, you know, that had the choice to come here, but, you know, chose North Carolina, South Carolina. How do we prove that? What it's The way you do it is in data, but it's it's over time. So five years from now, we'll look back and say, gee, why aren't we getting as many of these startups? Why uh, are, are all these, um, you know, star scientists going to the research triangle and coming instead of coming to Boston? Um, you know, why are all our industries still hunting for talent when Texas has got more and more people moving there? Um, you know, th th those are the things that are going to start happening, and they're going to start happening slowly. Um, and we just have an obligation, I think, um, to, to try to sound a, a, an alarm bell. Sounding the alarm, uh, you, you've got a good point about that, but I just exactly... I know you're you're this next month you're going to uh, be uh meeting to sort of develop a statewide agenda I guess on this this type of issue and others. But what is it if you were at that meeting what are you going to be pushing for? I mean you mentioned single sales factor. Why don't you explain a little bit about what that is and why why that's needed and any other things are you thinking about trying to are you thinking about trying to repeal this thing that voters just passed? What what are what's your agenda? Um, well, starting with taxes, we 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 published and our cards are on the table. Um, we published a, a tax package that includes a number of um, <laughs> taxes on businesses that um, that Massachusetts is an outlier. In some cases, where among the the only state or among the only states that tax business in this way, and what happened, Bruce, is that when the when the millionaires tax passed, um, people and businesses ran to their accountants and lawyers asking for advice on how to deal with it. And you know the good accountants and the good lawyers said, "Well, let's take a look at the entire picture," and they began to reveal to the business community and others that you know it's not just this millionaires tax. It's you know that's just one. That's just one rock on the in the uh, in the knapsack you're being asked to carry. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other fees and taxes that don't that that you're paying uh, in Massachusetts that other states aren't paying. So, so I think that one of the outcomes of that vote was it it it, it awoke sleeping dogs, if you will, of, of different types of taxes. So that's one bucket of you know what are we doing. How are we treating uh, a startup, a, a, a person that wants to start his or her business in Massachusetts? How are we starting some of our treating some of our anchor institutions um, uh, with respect to what it costs to do business in Massachusetts? So that's one family. The other families of, of issues, Bruce, are the ones that you won't be surprised by. You know, transportation, housing. Uh, um, the, the approach to climate change and 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 uh, how we're going to do that um, in a logical fashion. Um, and all of the same kinds of public policy issues. I think our feeling is what's been missing is the perspective of employers at that table saying this is 
how it will affect our ability to conduct business and to sustain jobs and to grow. Um, and, you know, that voice being heard. It's the same issues. It's really just the, the idea that uh, rather than being spoken at, we want to be spoken with. And is in this in this debate that's coming up, let's put it that way, this debate, is the governor on your side or do you see her as as someone you've got to convince in this regard? Well, um, I wouldn't say on my side or the business community side. Look, you know, she and any person in that role is the governor of the entire Commonwealth that needs to listen to the perspectives um, of all stakeholders and consider sort of balancing um, many, many issues. Uh, so we respect that. We get it. And, you know, maybe I'm not doing a good job saying it, but um, I think what our feeling um, has been uh, is that the the uh, the perspective uh, of the business community has been less listened to broadly speaking in state government um, in recent years than than it needs to be. Um, so I don't know that she's you know I wouldn't say she's on our side. I would say that my experience with um, with Attorney General Healy and even in the early days, Governor Healy has been a person who is willing to listen and understand the perspective of different stakeholders, including the business community. Let me let me give you one example, Bruce, of, of kind of, you know, one concern. Um, so the and you follow this, um, the 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 governor's proposed budget, which will be in in total numbers, roughly what will come out of the House and Senate is $55 billion. Five years ago, that was $42 billion. That's a 31% increase in the state's spending in five years. Highest rate of spending in history, certainly in yours and my lifetimes, I think, uh, that the state spending has grown. Um, if you look at that issue of fiscal responsibility. At the same time, you know, we've grown the rainy day fund. But if you look at fiscal responsibility, that's a pretty rapid rate of growth in spending. If you look at results and accountability, where are we? We've got the T, we've got a housing crisis. So what did that all get us? We've got educational attainment that isn't what it needs to be. What did that all get us? And then the third bucket is this idea of inclusive economic growth. And, you know, how do you grow the economy and jobs and keep people here and attract people and all of that? Over the five years where we found the ability to increase the spending by $13 billion, we've not found the ability to have one tax cut over that time. Mm. We've not found the ability to say, you know what, let's fix this. Um, so clearly, if you look at that picture, the voice of business, commerce, economic growth is not being heard. That's just an end pro. That's just the result. So, um, and again, I, I guess I'm sort of coming back when you go into this meeting. Uh, you mean this meeting with the other chambers? Yeah, with the other heads of the chambers. Yeah. I, I guess what I'm hearing you say, may, tell me if I'm wrong, is that you'll be looking at uh, some reforms in tax policy 
but um, it's a sort of a broader discussion too. It's not like you know this tax or that tax. It's a it's a whole general business climate discussion, which oh, could yeah. encompass many things. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's um, it's all of what makes an economy allows an economy to grow for the benefit of all. And I want to keep adding that uh, because it's so much easier to, to create, you know, equity when when there's growth involved than, than when, you know, the pie is the same size or shrinking. Um, so, you know, we want to do that. And, and by the way, I mean, we didn't even talk about the geography of this. I would submit that Boston wins when the rest of the state is thriving. And, you know, we need Massachusetts um, in its entirety to be viewed as a as a place where uh, businesses of different types and, and, and functions of different types uh, can start, can stay and can succeed. We need businesses to choose Western Mass, Cape Cod, Fall River, New Bedford, the North Shore. We need businesses to decide to do manufacturing there, whatever, whatever else might fit in those places. And that helps Boston. And we also need a collective um, um, enterprise or, or approach to some of these public policy issues I talked about. I mean, you know, not to deep, dive too deeply into the housing crisis, but Boston's 48 square miles. It's not going to solve the housing crisis by itself. Um, we need something that embraces the fact that, you know, we're a relatively small state. We need to take advantage of housing inventory that exists in new growth and housing throughout the Commonwealth. Um, we need to connect Western Mass to Eastern Mass by public transportation. So there's a lot of common ground on these public policy issues that are already at the table. And I go back to what I said before, which is what's missing in our perspective is the, from our perspective is either, either there's a lack of empathy or a lack of appreciation for the degree to which economic growth enables you to fix all the other things you want to fix. And, you know, economic stagnation and lack of competitiveness makes it harder to fix all those things. So one last thing, Jim, um, it, we're, we are often fond in Massachusetts of talking about how Boston had, you've just sort of said there's a commonality, a common sense of interest between groups in Boston and around the state. But there's also divisions. You know, what what's important to you in Boston might be very different from what is important in the Berkshires or even Worcester or what have you. What kind of consistency or uniformity are you finding? Are, are you and your fellow leaders of the chambers of one mind on this, or is there some convincing to do? I think we are more of one mind than people think. Um, you know, as you, one of the one of the um, uh, outcomes of creating a coalition like this um, is that we spend time together, and I learn more about you know the concerns on the ground of other regions of the state and and you know what their priorities are. In fact, as part of this, we've agreed on an annual in-person meeting at the in the fourth quarter of each year to talk about 
just the public po policy priorities going into the um, uh, into the next year. Um, so I think there already exists an appreciation among the business organizations for the challenges in different regions. Uh, but I think that's going to grow. And the other thing I'd say about the formation of a group like this is that um, a big advantage that a group like this has is that chambers are on the ground. They're in their communities. They know these issues better than anyone. I mean, you know, Tim Murray in Worcester, he knows the issues in Worcester cold. And, and Diana out in, in Springfield, she knows Springfield issues better than anybody. Bringing that knowledge and that that connective tissue uh, within those communities together uh, across the entire state, we think is powerful in terms of finding common ground on all of these issues. Look, you know, um, when we one a good example of that, Bruce, is broadband access. You know, out in um, uh, out in Western Massachusetts, there's, there's the issue of physical access more than there is in Boston, clearly. But in Boston, there's probably some some um, issues around affordability and adaptability. Um, so we have we have common ground on 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 um, on access to broadband, but we have different sort of levels of problems with respect to access to broadband. Well, I, I look forward to as these talks develop, learning more about where you find that common ground and, and how you come out and, and making your voice heard on Beacon Hill. Uh, Jim, I want to thank you for joining us today. Jim Rooney, the president and CEO of the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce. Thanks so much. Thanks, Bruce. Good to be here. And to our listeners, we'll see you again next week.